All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in. It is March 22nd, and this is the Daily Face-Off Show. Tyler Uremchuk and Mike McKenna with you. Oh, pointing the wrong way, just like I did yesterday. Uh, 30 minutes of straight hockey talk coming your way. And uh, boy, after doing almost four hours yesterday, I think the 30 minutes today is going to absolutely fly by. We might be having a little bit of a technical hiccup here. I think Mike's good to go, though. So let's start two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with, I mean, the fact that we are what, 20 hours post-trade deadline, and we're still sitting here with a trade that may or may not happen. Has Evgeny Dodonov been traded to the Ducks? Well, yesterday he was. It was Dodonov and a second rounder going to Anaheim. Coming back the other way was Ryan Kessler's contract, which is on LTIR, and defenseman John Moore. It represented you know over $3 million in cap savings for the Vegas Golden Knights. Here's where things got a little hairy. Dodonov has a 10-team no-trade clause. He's supposed to submit a list before he's traded. He did submit that list in the summer when he was dealt from the Senators to the Golden Knights. And the Anaheim Ducks were one of the teams that he had on the list that he could not be traded to. Well, flash forward to yesterday. He's dealt. Vegas claims they didn't have the list. Frank is reporting they didn't get it from the Ottawa Senators. And somehow this deal still got pushed through. Mike, um, I, that's where we stand right now. The latest reporting is that we still don't know what's going on with the Dodonov situation. But I guess my question is just how wild is this? Oh, we might have lost Mike anyway, so I will then step in and answer my own question. But it's absolutely bizarre that, I mean, you look at websites like Puckpedia and even Cap Friendly, and they have on there, there's a 10-team no-trade list. And the fact that Vegas didn't catch this or maybe they did and thought they could just ignore it. The fact that a guy like Dodonov had Anaheim on the 10 teams as well, I felt was a little bit weird for me. But 
this has a ton of different ramifications and the different angles you kind of look at it. One, is this guy going to end up having to stay in Vegas? It's a weird spot for the player and the person to be in in that situation because, I mean, does he stay? It's totally within his rights. He had the no trade clause. He had it negotiated. Um, it's He's well within his rights to say, no, there's not a chance I'm going to Anaheim. I'm staying put. But then you're staying in an organization that wants you out, paid a second rounder just for another team to get you, and clearly doesn't really want you around that much. Mike, you're back with me. What do you think of the way this whole Donoff thing is breaking down? Uh, hopefully this doesn't down like the internet actually because it's raining. Uh, it, this is a huge mess, you know, and for the Vegas Golden Knights, like, where are they going to go from here? I mean, this player is not going to be happy. He doesn't want to go to Anaheim in the first place. And now he's stuck on a team that tried to pay a second rounder to get rid of him. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. I just this way that this doesn't for anybody. And there need to be a lot of questions here that need to be answered. And it's from the Senator, the Knights, the agent, like, and the league. Like, how did the league even let this go through? So, I don't know any of that. If you're Evgeny Dodonov and you've put in a 10-team no-trade clause or list of teams that you don't want to go to and you get traded to one without being tipped off beforehand when you think you've done everything right, that's a mess. <laughs> yeah, a mess almost feels like an understatement. And uh, we're keeping tabs on it right now. There hasn't been really any new reporting as of this morning. But like Frank Servali said yesterday, he had a great thread about it up on his Twitter it should be pretty easy to find a sort of paper trail or an electronic trail of, you know, what was submitted when and who had what info when. So I, I would imagine we're getting a, a a settlement or whatever on this at some point today, but it is in the hands of the PA at this point. At least that's what the latest reporting is. Let's keep going with deadline day and get to the deals that did happen and are finalized and are not being backtracked or anything crazy like that with the question of who improved the most on deadline day. And and for me, like if you're including the week leading up to the deadline, then I think there's two pretty clear candidates. One of them is the Florida Panthers. You get Ben Sherratt, one of the best D-men on the market. You get Claude Giroux, the best player on the trade market as well. And you load up a team that already looks like a juggernaut. I loved what Colorado did, not only bringing in Manson before the deadline, but also yesterday when, you know, you miss on Giroux, that's disappointing. Then you go get a guy like Lekkanen, you bring in a good depth piece like Andrew Cogliano, and you sit there and go, yeah, you added two, like one really good middle six winger, a solid bottom six winger as well. I don't think you had to give up crazy a crazy amount of assets to get either of these guys. I really like what Colorado did. Mike, who stood out to you? I think the Rangers had a great day and it was kind of sneaky because so late that you started to see the dominoes fall that team. And, you know, it started a bit earlier when the team picked up uh, Frank Verdron in advance of the deadline mm -hmm. from the Florida Panthers. And, you know, that's a potential 20 goal scorer there. And I think Vitrano fits very well, second or third line. But look at the moves they made on trade deadline day. Andrew Cobb comes in. This is a player's five. 50 point goal scorer or point player, I should say. He can kill penalty. I can do the same thing. Yeah, he's a warrior. I love that player. Uh, he has better offense than he gets credit for. And Justin Braun helps shore up the right side. Now you've got Fox, Truba, and Braun, all right handed defensemen on that uh, D quarterback there. And I think, look at the lineup. Listen, the Rangers added four roster players that are all an upgrade 
They already have a top end penalty kill. And I think the players that they fit very well within Gerard Gallant's system and his style of play. So I think Rangers, without any huge swings, they didn't get Giroux, they didn't get any big sexy names. I think they added really good pieces puzzle on an already strong team. Yeah, I mean, you look at the moves they kind of made there. It feels like they've built themselves up this third line that could be a really, really tough trio to play against come playoff time. And then you nailed it. Like with Braun coming in, he can be he can slide over to the left side if there's an injury. When he's on the right side, you're always going to have one of Braun, Truba, or Fox on the ice. And I just think that's a massive advantage for a team come playoff time. I think the Rangers definitely got more difficult to play against with the moves they made on deadline day. There were some teams, though, that when you sat there, and the dust kind of settled, you were scratching your head a little, going, what were they up to? Was their GM even working the phones? What was going on? For me, one of those teams is Vancouver. I mean, we saw a ton of guys with their names on the rumor mill. I do like the work they did getting a third rounder for Travis Hamanick, but on deadline day, they were only able to move out Tyler Mott, and I think the return they got for him was honestly a little underwhelming when you look at what a guy like even Callie Yarncroke was able to get for uh, for the Seattle Kraken. So the Canucks are one team I was kind of looking at with an eyebrow raised going, did you really take full advantage of, of the market? And could you have maybe done a little bit more to set yourself up for the future, considering the playoffs likely aren't happening for you this year? Uh, but Mike, who's one team that stood out to you as, as maybe, a, maybe a front office who kind of blew things? I'm shocked the New York Islanders did. You know, Amarello has taken big swings at previously. He's rarely a seller, and in this environment, he should have been a seller. I mean, he had pieces that he could have moved. Cal Clutterbuck, even Varlamov. He's got a year left on his deal, but there was a golden market out there, and there's somebody that wanted him. Uh, you know, Scott McField's got one left. You've also got... Uh, yeah, players in that team that could have been even Zidane Ochara. I just feel like the, Lou Lamarillo in this instance didn't go for it at all. It's like their Islanders are just going to run it back here. It's an aging team. What they did do was reward Clutterbuck and Prezi with new contracts. Clutterbuck is two years, three years. So you've got a 34 and 37 year old. They're going to be 38 at the end of it. You know, they've got Green and Char as UFAs. Noah Dobson's an RFA. He's going to come back. They will qualify. He'll get a big deal. He's a good defenseman for that team. But yeah. where are they with their youth? They're just getting, and they got to make some big lineup if they want to be competitive. So they go, Tyler. I bet you got your eye on somebody that didn't, did well enough for you besides the Islanders in Vancouver as well, man. There was not, not a shortage of teams that didn't do much. Yeah, and, and I'm going to come out to your neck of the woods a little bit here and, and take a look at the St. Louis Blues as well. I mean, this was a team that went there and you heard they were in on Lindholm. They really wanted a defenseman to play with uh, with Colton Pareko. They were apparently, you know, one of those sleeper teams in Andrew and you wondered if they were going to get involved in the forward market a little bit. And yeah, they got Nick Letty. They gave up a lot to get Nick Letty as well. I know they had to pay extra because of the salary retention and things like that. But I just kind of look at the Blues as a team that you know, they were a group that was in on a lot. And at the end of the day, they walk out of this thing with just Nick Letty. Like, I think they're a group that maybe they should have paid a bit of a higher price than the Rangers did to get a guy like Tyler Mott even. So there was there was a few other teams that caught my attention as, you know, eh, what are they doing? But I like the point Mike made on uh, the New York Islanders as well. I mean, that's a team that probably should have sold off a few assets, gotten something for the future, maybe started to make a bit of a transition towards the youth side of things. And all they did was extend a pair of veterans and to me that's kind of like 
doubling down on a bad hand of blackjack that you've been dealt. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, moving along here, under the radar ads. And what was interesting was we had Matt Larkin during our live show counting down the five best, five worst deals of the salary cap era at the trade deadline. And some of the best deals were the ones that didn't end up getting talked about a lot at the time. Like the one that really stood out to me was the Michael Hanzoos edition for the Chicago Blackhawks, a guy who, you know, they pick him up kind of at the last minute. He comes in, he plays a huge role for them in the playoffs and they go on that great run. So yes, players like Claude Giroux and Ben Sherratt, these guys who get the first round picks, Hampus Lindholm in Boston, they're, they're going to get a ton of the attention, but there's got to be some under the radar pieces who will come through and play bigger roles than we think. Like one guy I have my eye on is Ryan Carpenter and the Flames pick him up for a fifth round pick. Like they pay peanuts to get this guy and you look at his numbers. He's a good defensive forward. And I think for Daryl Sutter's system out there in Calgary, he's a guy who can play multiple forward positions, 52% in the face-off circle this year as well. Like Ryan Carpenter is a good defensive player, a guy you can trust when he's out there that he's not going to blow coverage, make mistakes. I think that's important come playoff time. And the Flames managed to get him for a fifth round pick. I think the value there was uh, was tremendous. And I think we have uh, we might have Mike back with us. Maybe we don't. Maybe I got to go give my second under the radar target that I like. And it's actually a deal that involved a goalie. Here. And it was, it was the, yeah, there you go. I, I hear you a little bit, Mike. Uh, it, I love the swap. You know, the wild, they get flurry. That's great. But then they go and they flip Kakin. And I think it would have been easy to just throw them out there and go, Hey, who's given us a third round pick for our young goalie. Who's given us a second round pick for our young goalie. But they went out and they actually got a really strong blue liner in Jacob Middleton, like digging into the numbers again on this guy. He defends really well. And I think that Minnesota team, they'll really benefit from his presence on the blue line. And if they manage to keep his RFA rights, I know Frank touched last week on the fact that he's one of those unique sort of players who might be in that group six range, might lose his RFA eligibility. If you can keep his RFA rights, you can sign him for the next few seasons for likely a pretty good contract as well. And there's been a lot of talk about the dead cap space that the Minnesota Wild have and, and what they could be forced to do this summer. Well, if you need to clear up three to four million bucks, you could do worse than signing Jacob Middleton for two, two and a half, and then maybe moving on from one of your expensive blue liners. Like, you know, just the fact that they're both lefties. Like if Middleton comes in, shows well in this sort of audition with the wild, they like him. You maybe look at moving a Jonas Brodeen type because you think you can get some younger, cheaper assets back in the summer. So I love the Flames getting Ryan Carpenter. I love Jacob Middleton and the swap that was made there by the Minnesota Wild. And uh, we'll dig into a bunch of those goalie transition transactions more with a new edition of the blue paint delivered by DoorDash. And there we go. I see. I see him setting up. I know we'll be good now. I, I in my head, I was thinking I'm taking a bit of a risk here, throwing to the goalie segment without having a clear connection to our goalie expert, Mike McKenna. But it is the blue paint. It is delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. Those promo codes at the bottom of your screen. DFODD, DFODD US. You know them. You love them. Twenty five percent off and no delivery fees on your first order. And Mike, there was a handful of transactions involving goalies yesterday. But let's start with the big one, and it's Marc-Andre Fleury going to the Minnesota Wild. What did you think of this move? 
Well, I think it's a good fit, especially considering that the Minnesota Wild, in my eyes, have been a little bit leery of their goaltending all season. Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen have both had long stretches that went very well for the Wild, but they'd also gone cold at times. And I think that there was maybe an internal feeling of, can we win with what we have? And with the cap space that we do have available, could we improve? And that's where Marc-Andre Fleury comes in. It's a quick flight from Chicago to Minneapolis. His family can come visit and be there often, which matters to him. I think it was a really short list of teams that Fleury would have taken a deal to. And Minnesota is a club that has strength. Look at the look at the work that Chicago did here. Okay, they get they get Mark Andre Fleury, the reigning Vezina winner, for virtually nothing from the Golden Knights. Um, Mikhail Hakarainen's contract was voided. He goes to Chicago. He plays well for them. He's got nineteen of their twenty two wins on the season. And then the Blackhawks flip him for a conditional second round pick that could turn into a first if the Minnesota Wild go far into the playoffs. So good work by the Blackhawks. Uh, and for Mark Andre, he gets to be reunited with Billy Guerin as the GM of the Wild. They played together, won a cup in Pittsburgh. So there's familiarity there. Uh, and, and I think this is a great fit. I love the combination of Flurry and Talbot, if necessary, in playoffs. Uh, just looking at uh, what happened after that, and obviously Flurry goes to Mini, and then Mini's got too many goalies. And I, I was kind of thinking they might look to move Talbot just because, again, three and a half million bucks. We knew they were facing a cap crunch coming up. They opt to move Kakinen. They get Middleton back. But now out in San Jose, there's this weird kind of three-headed monster where they have James Reimer, Aiden Hill, and Kakinen all under team control for next season as well. Kakinen a pending RFA. Hill and Reimer both have contracts. What do you think happens here in San Jose, Mike? Well, to me, I think Aiden Hill is the odd man out. And reason being is that James Reimer did have suitors at the trade deadline from what had been reported uh, around the league. And the Sharks chose not to move him. He has a year left on his contract at a very reasonable cap hit. He also has a little bit of trade protection. He had a five-team no-trade clause that runs through next year. He's been really stable for the Sharks. And I think they value that. And, and he likes his fit there as well. He didn't sign a two-year deal to get moved. So I think Reimer's in. I think Aiden Hill has been underperforming this season from what the Sharks expected. He was a bit of a hope coming over from the Arizona Coyotes, thinking he might be the goalie of the future in San Jose. And at $2.175 million, it's not a cheap ticket. He's got one year left on that deal. I don't know if his skating is up to NHL standards. And then you flip over to Kakinen, who's an RFA, but he has a ton of NHL experience compared to Hill. And he's played really well at times. Now, can you even that out for Kakinen? That's the question. So I think it's a little bit of an audition for the rest of the season with Kakinen. Uh, and then with Hill, I think it's not necessarily that different. So either Hill or Kakinen, one of those two is out of the mix for next year. I would put my money on a, on a combination of Kakinen and Reimer in that for the Sharks. Interesting, interesting. And Hill's a guy who's, you know, got off to a start with Arizona. And you're right, it's just kind of an odd man out situation. There was also a couple of contract extensions given out on deadline day to a couple of goalies. And I want to start with Carol Vamelka in Arizona, a guy who at the beginning of the year, I remember one of the first games he started, I made a joke. I was like, who is this guy? I've never even heard of him. And now he's got a three-year deal, $2.75 million per to stay in Arizona. I look at this and I go, hey, Melka's getting his money. The Coyotes are going to have some consistency between the pipes for once as well. What do you make of this extension? Well, imagine coming from the Czech League, never having a minute of experience in North America, and suddenly getting paid almost 10 million bucks over the next three years. I mean, like, 
what a life for Karel Vemelka, but he's made his own luck here. He's come over. He's been very coachable. He's been studious. He's done all the things needed, worked hard to put himself in a good position. He's had some massive games this year. That 905 save percentage, take a look at the goals against. Okay, he's facing a lot of shots. That's what that means to me. Don't even look at the win-loss with this player. Um, And I think, you know, he's 25 years old. There's not much in the pipeline for the Coyotes when it comes to goaltending. They had Scott Wedgwood there this year, but Wedgwood's 29. So you look at Vemelka as a quality ad that you've mined out with your own scouting staff that you could have for the next three years until he's 28 and hopefully see some even more growth in his game. So it's a smart t- contract from the Coyotes, and it looks like it's about the going rate now for somebody who's teetering on that edge of being a starter in the National Hockey League. Yeah, it, that's a great point as well. I think this is you you look at how much he's improved just in these few months since coming over to the Coyotes and you think, man, a three year deal like what could he be by the end of this contract? It could be a great value play by Arizona. Uh, the other deal given out was pretty much an identical deal given to Anton Forsberg by the Ottawa Senators. Two part question here. What do you think of the Senators committing to Forsberg and also heading into the next training camp? Matt Murray's under contract. Forsberg's under contract. Philip Gustafson can't be sent to the minors without waivers first. And we know they value the youngster that they currently have playing in the American League. So what what do you make of the Forsberg extension first? And then what do you think the Sens could do going forward? Well, there's a lot going on in Ottawa. And I didn't really expect this. I didn't think Forsberg would end up going back to Ottawa purely because now there's almost $10 million tied up in goaltenders next season, as you said. Um, I would imagine there's worry of losing Gustafson on waivers, but he also hasn't done great in the NHL. So maybe you run that risk if you're GM Pierre Dorian of sending Gustafson down next year. And who knows, even with Matt Murray, who's got two years remaining on his contract around $6 million, he may not play the rest of the season. So the Senators rewarded their best goaltender this year, which has been Anton Forsberg. He's outplayed Matt Murray by a mile. Uh, he's got a 918 save percentage on the year, and he's got a winning record on a bad team, team that's in the bottom five clubs in the NHL. I've been tooting his horn all season saying teams should make a move for this guy it's a great deal for him three years 2.75 mil it's the first time he's been over the million dollar mark and it gives him some you know it gives him a foundation it gives him a place to play it gives him a place to call home uh so i i think for forsberg it's a great deal for him but i'm really just surprised that the senators didn't move him at the deadline for assets because to me if i were a team in need of goaltending he would have been my target at an affordable rate at just nine hundred thousand dollars at a cap hit but they didn't choose to move him. He had some leverage with the Senators where he was going to be a UFA this summer. So he could have easily told the Senators, hey, sign me to a contract now or I'm out of here this summer. I don't know if that's what took place, but that's what I would have said. So he gets a good deal out of it. I thought he'd either get two years at three mil or three mils at two and a half. Well, he got three years at 2.75. So good for Anton Forsberg. And our producer, Alex, picked up on something very interesting. November 15th, he changed his mask. He went from the dark mask with the white cage to the lighter mask with the gold cage. And look at how the numbers have gotten better. Maybe a little bit of goaltending superstition there, Mike? Uh, Maybe. And you know what? Actually, it's a great eye from Alex, our producer, finding that spot. It's amazing that I didn't, which actually makes me question my own ability as a goalie analyst. But (laughs) I do think, though, that the cage on his mask is white on the inside, even though it's yellow on the outside. So visually, it looks different from the outside. But from the inside, he's still looking through the same type of bars. But great eye, Alex. I love it. There you go. That's going to do it for another edition of the Blue Paint brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Once again, promo codes at the bottom of the screen. Type them in. They get you 25% off your first order and no delivery fees. Awesome stuff as always, Mike. 
Time for our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. Frank Saravalli is going to be back on the show tomorrow. So if you have a post-deadline question for our insider, send it in. Twitter, Instagram, hashtag AskDFO. You can shoot us a DM as well. Today's question, which general manager took the biggest gamble on deadline day, Mike? For me, I'm looking at a guy like Kyle Dubas, and I'm thinking Florida went all in. Tampa Bay went all in moving some first round picks. And yes, Dubas went out and got Giordano and Colin Blackwell, who I like as a, you know, fourth line option as well. But he didn't quite go all as all in as everyone else. And he's sitting there and again, maybe doubling down on having Jack Campbell be the guy for him down the stretch once he's healthy and into the playoffs. But I look at Dubas and if they get bounced early, I think a lot of people are going to be looking towards the Leafs GM and saying, hey, you maybe didn't do a good enough job giving this team everything they need to compete. Who stands out to you as a GM who took the biggest gamble on deadline day? Well, I think you could say that also about Edmonton with Ken Holland, even though I like picking up yep. Brett Kulak, good skater. He, he can move the puck, smart player, but no goaltending in Edmonton. But I really think this was leading up to the deadline, not just deadline day. The Golden Knights were playing with fire when it came to the salary cap, and look what happened. Now you've got the goofiness with the Dodonov situation because they had to get rid of a, of salary. $3.375 million is what they were shedding against the cap. And in doing so, now you've got a big mess. So I think that if the Golden Knights had taken care of their salary cap woes earlier in the season, uh, it would have alleviated some of the pressure points that they have now faced uh, and may continue to face uh, going down the rest of the season. But I think that's a risk that they apparently were willing to take to run it right to the deadline and hope it shook out. So it's a bold move, Cotton, and we're going to see how it plays out. Yeah, and the interesting thing with the Dodonov situation is they could still trade him, right? Like they could rework mm-hmm. a deal. He can get moved to a team. He's just not eligible for the playoffs, right? So. But again, if you're a non-playoff team and Vegas calls you in the next week and is like, hey, we got to get rid of this guy or else we're screwed against the cap. I'm going to sit there and go, oh, well, you know, a couple of days ago, you were ready to give up a second. How about you give up a first rounder now? How about you give us a little bit of extra here if we're going to help you out and take this contract? So you're right. I think Vegas took a big gamble and uh, it might end up really biting them in the behind. Let's get to our daily best bet or daily bet segment courtesy of Points Bet and Points Bet Canada and heads up Ontario. Points Bet Canada is coming. So go give them a look. Uh, Let's jump into the action tonight because there's a lot of hockey on tap and there are a lot of plays that I like starting at the top with the New York Rangers taking on the New Jersey Devils. And this is a Rangers team that has been playing pretty well. 7-3-0 in their last 10. And in those seven wins, they've covered the puck line five times. They're taking on a Devils team that is allowing 3.67 goals against per game so far this month. The Rangers loaded up at the deadline. I think they're a team that could start to go on a run. The Devils have been struggling a little bit as of late. I like the Rangers to not just win. I like them to cover the puck line on the road at plus 175. See if they have some fresh faces in the lineup as well my second bet at the bottom there i like the pittsburgh penguins on the on the puck line as well and there's one simple reason for this Jonas corpusalo is expected to start for the columbus blue jackets once he's all confirmed he's i'm all over this play he's allowed 11 goals in his last three appearances despite only facing 49 shots this guy is not stopping much right now the penguins they're playing well they're i think seven two and one in their last 10 they added Ricard Raquel at the deadline. I think that could energize their group. 
Both of these teams were big buyers at the deadline, Rangers and Penguins. I think they can roll tonight, both covering the puck line. And that leads me into my props. And I'm sticking with these matchups for my player props. First is Mika Zibanejad, over half an assist. I've gone to this one a lot this year. It's been treating me well. Zibanejad, Zibanejad maybe he listens to the show. Maybe he goes, hey, your truck's picking me to get an assist. I got to step up. Um, but he's hasn't hit this mark a ton lately, only twice in his last five games. But again, the Devils have been leaking goals against. I think the Rangers can get the offense going. I like Zabinijad being involved. And I also really like Jeff Carter in the Pittsburgh game. I'm looking for value and I think we got it here. Plus 200 to pick up an assist in this hockey game. He's done it in four of his last six. I love the value here. A two to one payout on something that's happened again in four of his last six games. That's just too good for me to pass up. So again, Rangers puck line, Penguins puck line, Zibanejad and Jeff Carter assists. Four plays today. It's a loaded NHL slate courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. And that leads us nicely into garbage time. Mike, what do you got? I think it's garbage that the NHL plays hockey games on trade deadline day. Marty St. Louis came out and said that this should not happen. And I couldn't agree anymore. Like, I've been through it before. A lot of times, okay? (laughs) I played 14 years of pro hockey. Trade deadline day sucks. Like, you're so out of mental sorts that even if you have to play that night, you don't want to. Like, there were four games scheduled last night. Why? What purpose are we serving here? Like, just take the day off, everybody. Have a couple of margaritas. Do whatever you need to to, like, get your life in order. If you get traded, at least it allows you to get to your new city by the end of the day. Just take the day off. I mean... We're going to the Olymp- we're going to go to the Olympics for a month. We're going to take a bye week. We're going to go out for the All Star, but we can't take one day at the trade deadline where we just don't schedule any. It's mindless to me, Tyler. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And even from a fan perspective, like deadline day, you're excited, your team's adding all this stuff, and then they play that night, and none of the new guys are in the lineup. And I kind of think like, you know, give it yeah. the day off, and then the next day when teams are in action, they'll have their new guys, and fans are excited. I agree with you 100. percent The NHL's already in the headlines on deadline day. They already get a ton of attention from their diehard fans. Why even have games? It's a great point by you, Mike. And uh, that'll uh, put the wraps on another daily face-off show. Shout out to our friends DoorDash and Points Back Canada. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll keep talking post-deadline things. Hopefully we have a resolution on the Dodonov situation as well. And Frank Saravalli will be back in the big chair. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.